Meanwhile, in the pod cave. Another edition of the Podman. I'm Brad. I'm Brian. I'm Podman Ron. And uh, we've had some uh, ace reporters out on the scene recently. Um, we've had a, a couple of movies come out that we uh, can talk about, but um, it's been convention time. Brian, we heard uh, MegaCon from uh, yep. heard your MegaCon review last episode, uh, and the next thing. Better than MegaCon would be HeroCon, right? No one cares about DragonCon or WizardCon or ComicCon or any of that. HeroCon. Well, no. Well, well, well. I'm going to be going to there. When when is uh uh, uh whatever ComicCon? Like three weeks. In three weeks, uh, and you're going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to be there. I'll be our uh, co- correspondent on the floor. Do you think you can, you know, I mean, I know you may not necessarily have the chance to interview anybody, but maybe you can record your thoughts as you're walking around and the, the sounds and stuff like that. Maybe you can uh, do some of that for us. The sounds, the smells. The sounds, the smells. The tastes. Mmm, those tastes of Comic-Con. Yeah, I probably can. I'm sure I can. I can I'm sure I'll send you guys plenty of stuff from the uh, from the Comic-Con floor. Yeah, well, so, you, you need I gotta to, rub your nose in it. So. You need, well, you need to uh, post on our Instagram at the Podman oh, on Instagram. That would be probably go. an ideal place where you could take there pictures and share them not only with us but the, our audience. See, the problem is if I post it on the Instagram, I've still got to send it to PMR because he doesn't look at our Instagram. I think P, PMR. I think is. I mean, you know that he's committed to the Podman, right? I mean, you I know, those two weeks that he took over the Instagram account, I mean, well, he... Yeah, y'all, shit on, uh, y'all shit on the idea, so as soon as y'all shit on the idea, <laughs> I, I, I Let me ask you, Brad, is it Flash Week every week on the Instagram feed? Every week. <laughs> Thank God we're all still donating to that little girl. This was the creepiest guy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> all right, all right, let's take a look at that. But I so Podman Ron, if Brian posts stuff on his, I mean, do, do you think that would be like, the best I will place? Like it. I will, I will like it. You'll give it a like. I'll give it a like. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see. All right, but uh, and and so we should have done the same thing with HeroCon, right? Probably uh, we should have, but I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it. Didn't think about it. Well, tell us about tell us a little bit about HeroCon. When was it? Where was it? Who went with you? What was your plan of attack? As, as you know, HeroCon is in uh, North Carolina. It's in Charlotte. Uh, they do it every year. Uh, it's a big convention. Uh, we all went a few years ago, and this is probably the third time I've gone. Uh, I haven't been in probably three years. And, uh, it was a, it's a nice convention. It's pretty much all comics, uh, all artists, all comics. There's no TV personalities or any of, uh, 
any type of memorabilia for TV shows or movies or anything like that. It's just totally all comics, which is which is nice and it's kind of cool. They've got some toys there also. Um, this year, though, I mean, it was uh, it, it looks the same as it did. Past we, we haven't missed anything. So what? We haven't missed anything in the past. Uh, no, five I years. mean. It, no, this is what I was telling Brian. Uh, it's like the pendulum has swung back to nerdism. Oh. Um, like the pendulum uh, where all the hot women were at oh. comic conventions. Yeah. And, you know, you remember when we went, you know, a few years ago? It was yeah. like, you know, a good good showing of hot chicks and uh, costumes. Yeah. And uh, we're all like, where the hell do these people come from? How, how could I, like, uh, personally, how could this, I forget Apollo's smile? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... But now it's uh, – there's probably about 5% good-looking women at this convention. And, wow. uh, yeah, it's it's kind of going back to just a bunch of nerds, a nerds. Uh, collecting comic books anymore. And uh, So, Brian, was that was that the same as your experience for Megacon? No. Oh. no. See, I think uh, the difference is – Location, location, got, location. It's location. And I think you've got – I think Heroes Con peaked for a bit, and now it's reverted back to the people that went to Heroes Con before. And, I, and you may be right. Because um, uh, HeroCon is famous for – if you bring it, they're obligated to sign it. So you'll see people walking around with uh, little red wagons – little red wagon – little red wagons uh, loaded with long boxes and them handing a creator 40 issues to sign Right. I remember when we went, Stan Lee was there. Stan Lee, literally, if you gave him 30 issues of a comic, he would wow. sign 30 issues of the comic. So, yeah, that's kind of like their claim to fame. So you get all of these, like, hardcore, hardcore, I want my entire run of this comic signed, which to me now, is crazy. Yeah. Like, well, that, that is insane. And, and I did see there were people like that, but I didn't get behind anybody that was – trying to get whole collections signed. I mean, uh, the attendance was rather light from when we all went, you know, three or four years ago. It was a, it was a hell of a lot lighter than it was then. Less families there. <laughs> definitely less costumes there. I mean, there was very few cosplay there as opposed to when we all went. Um, it was just, it was a different vibe. It, it just seemed like it has, uh, it has gone back to, it's gotten away from the family again. You know, when we all went, of course, it, we all brought our family, but, like, there was other families there. There was other kids there, and, you know, it it seemed like there was less kids there, it, definitely less costumes, and definitely less babes there. I mean, it, well, it was really I, it was strange. It was just all a bunch of nerds there. I, mean, I looked at the guest list, you know, when you were there, because I was trying right. to give you stuff to, you know, for people to go look for and, and signatures. Autographs. Uh, I've been to CuriousCon probably six or seven times over the years, right. and it's literally the same old, same old. There was nobody new that hadn't attended at least once <laughs> in the last three years, if not all three years. So there wasn't that, like, you know, holy crap, i got to get this person there either. Right, right. So. And, I, and I think with that said, I think they're if they're going to – if they've noticed a change in their attendance, then that and a, a decline in it, I think they're going to have to, you know, get some bigger, bigger names there and uh, something bigger there to attract people back because it's it's a great convention. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the 
lots of vendors, you know, the artists that were there were for the most part decent enough. Um, you know, I was telling Brian that I had some really good artists that I really liked that were happy to draw a sketch card or charge you only like 10 or $15 for a sketch card. And then I just had a couple of assholes, you know, uh, here's looking at you, Rick Leonardi, who was a really jackass of an artist or Tom Grummet, who wanted to charge $60 for a little, uh, you know, sketch card, you know, then so, you had people like Jerry Ordway, who is a, a classic Superman artist and, uh, and, was very uh, known for his Shazam books in the 90s and beautiful art. And uh, he was very humble and friendly. And he was like, yeah, $10 and he'll, you know, I'll put it in the, the artist fund here. And, you know, same with Steve Epting, who was responsible for the Winter Soldier. He drew the Winter Soldier back in the Captain America days and was a, a great Avengers artist back in the 90s. And he was actually a great guy, too. And, and, Decent guys, but then you you had a couple of jackasses that thought their shit was made of gold, and but yeah, Jerry Ordway was their get. That was their get this year. That was somebody that has not been there before. Yeah, but, he was, and he, you know, and he wasn't crowded. There was not many. I'll tell you, the person who whose table got wrapped around the damn building was that's Bill Sinkovich. Man, that was who everybody was there for. It was Bill Sinkovich for, you know, I love And he's some... been there several times. Yeah. So I actually got an Electra sketch from him, sketch card from him uh, about five years ago. So, but yeah, he's, he's been there numerous times. But, I, yeah, I think Ordway he was there that on. time I went. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But Jerry Ordway, like I said, he was very, you know, not many people at his table, very nice, humble guy, uh, very friendly guy. And, yeah. And a lot of these guys, they have the, uh, the little box for the artist uh, fund, lawyer fund, whatever the defense fund for artists, and you know you do they do a sketch and they'd say just donate money for that for the little sketch card. And I thought to myself, you know, that's a fair thing if if they want to raise money for this yeah. this this uh, legal defense fund for artists, you know, charge for a sketch card ten bucks and. Put it in there, you know, say, oh, I'll do sketch cards for this legal defense fund for 10 bucks. And they get a lot of people that would uh, do that, you know, but these astronomical prices for a sketch card, you know, 60 bucks from Tom Grum, it's like, give me a break, you know, I mean, but uh, anyway, it was a good convention. It was fun. And, you know, I, I would like to see more costumes there and stuff, but, but. Overall, a, a solid B. Okay. Well, so. it feels like we we weren't necessarily grading uh, Heroes Con like or doing a review of Heroes Con as much as we were putting creators on blast. <laughs> so. Well, okay. yeah, okay. I will say a few of the creators really kind of pissed me off. You know, I. It's like yeah. Festivus. I got a lot of problems with you. Yeah, I got a lot, a lot of problems. problems with you creators. I mean, a sketch card literally takes them, like, two minutes to do something, you know? And, and I mean, uh, you could charge ten bucks to do that, and it would be fair enough, in my opinion. But some of them were just – and some of them were just complete assholes, just huh. didn't want to didn't want to do anything. Like, you know, uh, one artist, he did do me a sketch card, but it was the Green Lantern symbol. I mean, it was like – He's, yeah, he yeah like, who did that? 
Daryl Banks. Daryl Banks. I mean, he was nice. <laughs> don't get me wrong. He was like really nice, but he's like, I, I he goes, I can't draw about. I can't draw the character, but I can just draw the symbol. And I was like, like he uh, legally couldn't draw the character. That he said <laughs> something to that effect, and I was very confused by it. But then why was he uh, there? He did a little. He did a little sketch of the uh, the lantern itself, yeah. the logo, and you know, all right, I'll take that. You know, <laughs> he gave it to me free, so I was like, that's really weird. Now, could he could he draw other characters? Uh, was he pro- strictly he was, prohibited? He was there on his own, and I like Well, you know, he's uh, co-creator. He's co-creator with, um, oh, crap. Uh, but he's co-creator of uh, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern. Oh, okay. With, right, uh, right. Yeah, that's his crap. Ron Marks. Ron Marks, yeah. With, uh. You know, I like this stuff. His stuff with uh, Ron Marks was great back in the day in the 90s. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, wow, this is – I'll get a really cool sketch from him. And he was like, oh, I can't – I can't do that, but I can do you the logo. I wonder if there's, uh, like, some sort of, like, uh, dispute between him and yeah, DC maybe. about creator so. shit. Uh, well, I mean, well, why would he even do a, the logo to me? I mean, that was – yeah, just do uh, another just, character, right? Do a Batman. Why can't yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care what he did, but, you know, whatever. I mean, but I did need, I, uh, I did need uh, Batman royalty, Brad. Uh, Neil Adams? Uh, no, better. Kelly Jones? Better. Oh, tell, I mean, uh, gosh, I'm going to Have you ever heard of a name? Have you ever heard of a na- man named Bill Finger? <laughs> wow, you met Bill Finger. That is amazing. No. I, that I, <laughs> I met Bill Finger's granddaughter oh. that he never met. I, Bill Finger never even met his granddaughter. Now tell us a story I, about this that you remember from the Hulu documentary. Uh, well, from the Hulu documentary, Bill Finger passed away. Well, Bill Finger was <laughs> instrumental in creating Batman with... Bob Kane. Matter of fact, he actually did create Batman, and Bob Kane got all the credit. Yeah, just like Stanley. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we've well, said that before on this podcast that yeah. Stanley and Bob Crane uh, were uh, they're they're hacks, right? Well, not hacks. They're <laughs> idea men. They're idea men. They're promoters. They're yeah. promoters. They promote the thing. But anyway, uh, so in this documentary, this. This guy, this reporter, just is, it's his mission to make Bill Finger's name be in the credits for the rest of Batman's life. You know, right. anything that comes out Batman, it's going to be Bob Kane, Bill Finger. And in his, uh, in his quest, he, he looks for, he looks for, uh, an heir to Bill Finger and he finds out that Bill Finger had a son. Um, but then, but found out the son had passed away from AIDS back in the 80s. So he didn't think, uh, he thought the bloodline ended there, but lo and behold, he discovered that Bill Finger's son had a daughter. And, uh, so I think it was like in 2013, 2014, he met, uh, the granddaughter, uh, Athena Finger is her name. And uh, so now she's like the heir of the Batman stuff wow. or uh, the fingers. And she was at the convention doing drawings of Batman. <laughs> wow. And so, how did you get to talk to her? I mean, that is uh, that is Batman we, royalty. 
we got a we got a sketch from her, a uh, sketch card from her. Uh, uh, she only charged five bucks, which I thought was fair. Maybe maybe you can post, can you post that on the Instagram account? You think? I will put that on. That there. would be. I think everybody would love to see that. I will put it on there. She, uh, you know what? You know, here's what I would like to do. I would like to put her sketch of Batman and my ten year old's sketch of Batman <laughs> side by side, and yeah. let the viewers or the listeners guess which one. Oh, uh, is that's which. a great contest. Maybe they can actually win the card. <laughs> If you don't mind parting with it. The one from my 10-year-old will probably be worth more in, in uh, five years. <laughs> now, come on. You know what, though? In all fairness, she's out there. I don't think she's trying to make a buck. I think she's just trying to keep – well, of course she's trying to make a buck. But I think not off the sketches. I think she's just trying to keep the finger name out there yeah. and catch the Batman. Keep the she's finger just trying to there. give us the finger. <laughs> don't want to forget about the finger. I mean – you know, you know what? If I was the heir, if I was the heir to the finger, yeah, I, you I, would be I there. Would, uh, you I would be, be out there doing it too. You would be charging five dollars a sketch, yeah. You damn right, I would be. Okay. I'd be charging ten dollars a sketch because wow. you know what? I would pay her ten dollars. Where did was she? Did, yeah, where did where she sit? Was she, she next to Sinkovic? Oh, I think she was at uh, Chili's. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> also, giving hand jobs in the back alley. No, ten dollars for a hand job, five dollars for a sketch. For a sketch. <laughs> she was very nice. You know what? She was very, she was very nice. I'm sure she was better than the better, nicer than the assholes uh, that were there. That was good artist. Yeah, <laughs> she, she was so she nice. Was happy not having to uh, be making uh, onion blossoms. Yeah, she was so nice. She said, uh, "You know what? We could talk more over dinner if you want. Uh, you buying?" <laughs> <laughs> you got an extra room in that hotel room. Uh, uh, otherwise, I'll sleep, on the floor. I'll sleep on the floor. That's fine. I'll curl up on the foot of the bed. I will say that no one was at her booth, which made me sad. But yeah. uh, you're a sucker for a sad great granddaughter of artists. Yeah, <laughs> you are a sucker. I, I got a feeling she won't be back next year. So. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so that was probably the highlight, you would say. I don't even know if she broke even on the banner she made, but, you know, I will say that uh, I got a sketch fire, and, uh, and she we was don't. a very nice lady, and I, I, I wish her continued success in uh, the finger name. Yeah. Well, you, that's, that's, I like that. I like that a lot. Hey, you know, so there you go. There's my, that was my report. Wow. And just you know what? I'm giving it a great A because I forgot to hold up my finger experience. Yeah, go there to get finger and give it a great A. I love it. I give it a great A, so you know I boosted up a little bit. Here's kind of you the finger. <laughs> so there you go. So excellent. So Brian, well, I mean, is, is that is that someone you're going to be looking at for Comic Con? No. No. Okay. Well. You should. You, maybe you think about it. I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll be stunned if she's there. I'll tell you what. If she's there, I'll get a matching sketch. Get a matching sketch. Maybe she's improved by then. See if she can try a little harder. What could you do for $6? Uh, I also had a, uh, a convention that I attended this weekend, this past weekend. So we were in Atlanta for the week for uh, family reasons. And uh, 
uh, over the weekend. We were going to come back Saturday, and I and I saw online. I follow um, Adam Riches is a is a cover artist. He works for IDW, and he's also going to be on uh, Marvel One Thousand. And so I see him from time to time at, at conventions, and well, I'll bump into him. Yeah, he'll go to like the uh, uh, NXT wrestling stuff as well. The the down in Orlando, so I I follow him on Twitter too, and he posted this weekend in Augusta was Joe Fest, so they had a GI Joe convention in Augusta, and so we were in Atlanta, we were going to drive back Saturday. I'm like, you know what, let's just drive back Sunday because I really want to go to this Joe Fest because there was three people there, and you guys weren't big GI Joe. You're a little bit older than me, so you weren't there for the uh, like the you know, crazy, you know, the, the, how big GI Joe was in the, in the early eighties. But, uh, uh, there was three people there. It's kind of like the Holy Trinity. You had Larry Hama. Oh yeah. Who is, who is the comic book writer for GI Joe. Um, he, he, uh, he wrote it in the eighties for like 80, 90 issues, something like that. Uh, it went with, when it got canceled at issue 155, um, th- he came back in 2010 when they relaunched the line and started with 155 and a half, and now it's up to 166. So he's been on that book for another 110 issues now since 2010. Um, but yeah, Joe, the comic book is very solid. It's, I mean, it doesn't get the credit it probably deserves. It's probably one of the best books of the 80s, but it's not your core DC or Marvel, so it's kind of like on an island by itself. But Larry Hama was there, and not only did he write the comic, he created all of the backstories for the Joes and did the file cards on the back of the figures. Oh, okay. So he was there, which is kind of he's like the uh, he's like Stan Lee for GI Joe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the Bill then, Finger grand uh, great granddaughter of GI Joe. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's great. Like uh, and Ron Rudat was there. So does it do you know who Ron Rudat is? No. Nope. Ron Rudat created every G.I. Joe character from nineteen eighty two to nineteen eighty seven. I thought every that was single the other guy. No. Larry Hama created the backstories for the characters. Uh, Ron Rudat created the actual figure, character design, and what their ability was. Because you know, we've said this before on the podcast. With G.I. Joe's their superpower is whatever their special, whatever their you know, name uh, is, their special training is, yeah. right? So, um, like Blowtorch was a, I mean, he, he was he yes, would run a Blowtorch, right? Shipwreck was a saint. Uh, <laughs> shipwreck was their uh, their Beach naval seaman. What? Right. Right. He was their naval seaman. Um, but when you when so, you na- name him something other than shipwreck, you think? Uh, like, I, you know, I love the name Shipwreck. But would you leave, would you, uh, yeah, is that like kind of like Tiny? Calling Brian Tiny is kind of ironic. Kind of. Okay. okay, I can see that. Well, it's, that's their code name because they're, you know, America's covert special, special forces team, right? So that was their okay. code name. But, uh, but he created every character between 82 and 87. So, and so what, and so I asked him, I was like, you know, how did it work between you, Marvel, and Larry Hama, and he said, he goes, I created, he would do like a, a thumbnail, not a thumbnail, he would do like a, a character sheet, 
like, you know, color pattern, costume, and he'd come up with the name. Then he'd hand it over to Larry Hama. Larry Hama would create the backstory for the Joe, uh, and then they would send it into Marvel um, because Marvel was the conduit to Hasbro. Because Hasbro had hired Marvel to create all these characters for them. But they, and then, uh, Larry Hama wrote the comic, right? So, Larry Hama and, and uh, Ron Rudat, that's kind of like, for G.I. Joe, it's like the Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Like, it's kind of cool. I mean, if you're a G.I. Joe fan, it's a, it's a really big deal. So, they were both there, which was kind of unheard of. And then there was the piece de resistance. Wow. One, the person that was like, I can't miss this. Uh, the one real life li- uh, live action GI Joe, Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, wow, <laughs> he was there in person. Sergeant Slaughter was there in person. So you've got you know because he was he was you know he was on all the commercials. He was he voiced the character. He was the real life GI Joe. That was the big thing in the eighties. Was like oh he's the real one. Yeah. So uh, but yeah, Sergeant Slaughter was there. So it was cool. I got to meet, you know, all three. I got to talk to all three. We got pictures and we got, uh, I got a figure signed. I got a, a uh, I did a Sergeant Slaughter 2010 San Diego Comic Con exclusive Sergeant Slaughter. So I got it and I got it signed by all three, which is pretty cool. Um, what's interesting though is Sergeant Slaughter now he's a W, you know, he wrestled too. He's a wrestler. Uh, he's a WWE Hall of Famer. And he's got like a, a WWE, and Mattel owns the rights to all the WWE likenesses. So GI Joe, Hasbro can't do Sergeant Slaughter anymore. So they did a box set at JoeCon last year, and they had to replace Sergeant Slaughter with somebody else, like in the box set. So now they have Sergeant Smasher instead of Sergeant Slaughter because because uh, they can't use his likeness anymore. But um, Sergeant Slaughter hadn't been at a con since 2006. So that was pretty cool, too. And that's prob- primarily because of the whole thing with the WWE. But, um, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Ron Rudat, and Larry Hama. Nice. Really cool. Wow. Was he old? So, was Sergeant Slaughter all old? He's all old. He didn't look bad. Like, uh, he, he is old. I mean, he's in his... I'd guess, you know, mid sixties, but he didn't look, he didn't look old. He looked, uh, he grabbed, so like he took the photo of us and he, he put me and the boys in the Cobra clutch. Wow. Like the, that was his, that was his finishing move. Uh, so we took photos of the, uh, uh, yeah, he, he was fry. He was talking. He had a good time. Like but how much was that photo? Like $300? I know the photo was free. The signature, the autograph, and yeah. it, it was cool what he did, the autograph. Um, because, this kind of on the card. It was a special edition figure, and on the back of the figure, above the file card for the character, was a letter that, like a recruitment letter, typed up by Sergeant Slaughter. That was like what's built into the packaging. But they left a spot open for him to sign it, so that's actually where he signed the figure, which is kind of cool. But um, yeah, autographs are fifty, but they include photos and everything. So, but then Larry Hama was free. He'd sign anything you wanted for free. And Larry Hama would, and this is a funny story. He, he would do a sketch for you because he was also an artist. So, you know, the, the GI Joe 21, which is the famous, I mean, you guys know what GI Joe 21 is. It's no. the silent edition. It's the silent issue, right? And mm-hmm. it's the, it's the first appearance of Storm Shadow. It's the silent issue 
And it's when you first realize there's a connected history between Storm, uh, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes because right. of the, uh, the tattoo, right? right? Larry Hama not only you know, wrote the book, he, he drew the whole, the whole issue. And it's a very important issue because it was like nothing like that had ever been done before. Uh, but as far as like for G.I. Joe, it's uh, absolutely the most valuable G.I. Joe comic that ever, they ever made. But yeah, so he wrote and drew 21. Well, what's cool is he was, and this will kind of tie back to some of the stuff we've had with Heroes Con and, and Megacon. Um, he was doing sketches for 40 bucks. He was like, and I was like, oh my God, can you, can you do a sketch? But he was there Friday and Saturday. He's like, my sketch list is, is full. He goes, he goes, at the end of the day, I do a fire sale. Somebody haven't picked something up. Yo, you can have it for next to nothing. He goes, but, uh, it's 40 bucks. My list is like crazy long. And so I was like, oh, that's a steal. I mean, a full sketch. It's not, it wasn't a sketch card. It was a full eight and a half by 11 sketch. That's full cool. body action pose, 40 bucks. Wow. Uh, Larry Hama. That's a big, I mean, it was a big deal. And it wasn't just like them standing still. It was them running. It would be them like drawing down. It'd be them crouched. It was, it was, you know, action poses. Um, 40 bucks a pop. And he goes, uh, he goes, I used to not even charge that. Because I used to just do them free. He said, cause he, he gets tons of work. He's like, he works for DC. He works for, for IDW, for Hasbro. He does some stuff for Marvel as well. So he, he gets tons of work. But he said, uh, he said he used to just do them for free until, until Neil Adams Mm-mm. gave him shit about it at a con. And so. <laughs> Neil, mind your own business, Neil Adams. Yeah. So you were, and, and he said Neil Adams was like a, a mentor to him when he got started. He goes, but they went to a con years ago. And he was doing free sketches, and Neil Adams was giving him shit about it. Because if you've ever been to a convention that Neil Adams has been at, oh yeah, his booth is enormous, and yeah. it's all just uh, um, uh, posters, yeah. prints. Yeah. It's all nice just prints too. I mean, they're nice prints. They're nice yeah. prints. Absolutely. But he won't draw. He will only sign his own prints, and those yeah. prints are like. 40 bucks a piece. Well, and they had those, these ones this year that he did were really cool. They were like five headshots of like X-Men or five headshots of Avengers or five headshots of Batman family. And, uh, they were sketched, black and white sketch, but they're prints. And he was charging a hundred dollars for those, but they were really cool looking. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's pretty expensive. Well, and, and Larry Hama said, he goes, he goes, I do 40 bucks. Just because, like, basically Neil Adams shamed me into into charging something. He goes, he goes, but the only reason I'm here, he goes, I, I've got plenty of work. I can make as you know, I, I, I'm working all the time. I, I lose money by coming to these. He goes, but you know, I do it for you guys. Oh, like, I, like, and he wasn't like like trying to be sappy. He was kind of like it was kind of like that thing. Like, I'm here. He's just kind of nods a lot about it, and he was just like, yeah, I do it because you know, thank you guys. He goes, but. I would make way more money to just stay at home and and work on, you know, an actual job. Same so nice guy, nice guy, super cool guy, Larry Hama, yeah. super cool guy. Um, but yeah, so it's not going to mean a lot to necessarily a lot of people. But if you're a GI Joe fan, that was like a huge, huge deal having those two and even and, and having um, Sergeant Slaughter there. Was yeah, that's better. cool that you got all three of them to sign that. Yeah, that's really cool. What's interesting too is. The uh, full-size G.I. Joe figures 
are dead. Nobody collects those anymore. Like that, there was maybe I may it may have seen like eight or ten full size GI Joes, you know, sixties GI Joes there right. in the whole booth, and it was it was it was four it was spread over four different like um, rooms, four different like uh, uh, um, ballrooms. And I may have seen ten of those figures. Nobody collects them anymore. It's all about the three and three quarters. So, and it was packed. That place was packed. So, yeah, it's a great con, great convention. I will have to uh, look the next time it comes about and go to it. That sounds. I should have went. You should have went. A lot of good people there. If I would have had to work this weekend, I probably would have went. Oh, well. All right. uh, Any other conventions coming up? MomoCon, maybe? Brian's (laughs) got uh, the big one coming up. I got the big one. All right. San Diego Comic-Con. I think we uh, can look look forward to some reports and pictures, uh, the sights and sounds of things that Podman Ron and I will never get to experience. Probably not. Never. Never, ever. If we haven't by now, we're not going to, right? I just, I just feel like, and Brian, you know, maybe it'll, you'll prove it wrong and you'll come back and say, yeah, you need to go, but I just, I'm not really a big crowd person and I'm definitely not really a big person that can be patient about waiting in line. And I just feel like I would just be angry the whole time I was there by having to wait in line or having to wait behind idiots well, who just want to sit and talk to these people. And, you know, it's like, eh. See, yeah. I think that's partially why they did some of the stuff they've done this year. But, as you know, Marvel's not going to be there. Marvel's rolling all their stuff out to D23, and, and we can talk about that in a bit because there's some rumors. Um, but Marvel's not going to be there, and they haven't for the past couple of years. Uh, I think the last time they were actually there was when they announced uh, Age of Ultron. But, the, but D23 is in um, Anaheim, and it's uh, in August. So that's and that's when they make all their big announcements. So, um, but Marvel's not going to be there. DC's not going to be at Hall H, but they've got. Uh, I've got the map. They have a gigantic booth, uh, a gigantic booth there this year. So I, I'm thinking what they're going to do is roll stuff out at the booth. You know, if they're going to have do like mini panels at the booth and and have screens at the booth so they can more people can see it than just. People that line up for six hours for all for Hall H, right? So, I think they're doing some stuff like that to to make it a little better. So, all right. So, what uh, you hear some rumors on the interwebs? You say? Uh yeah. So uh, they're they're saying that, um, and, and this probably doesn't look great for Captain Marvel, right? Because the assumption, we know we're getting a Black Panther movie. We know we're getting Doctor Strange 2. We know we're getting Black Widow, right? Uh, we know we're getting Guardians uh, 3. So uh, there's a hint that we're getting Eternals, right? Um, well, the assumption was Captain Marvel 2 would be in the mix, but they've only got like eight movies slotted. And we kind of went through this on a, on a previous podcast, like what we speculated or what I speculated those movies would be. But now they're saying that Kevin Feige's hinting that Phase 4, and they need to, right? Because Phase 4 is going to be pretty weak if they don't. Phase 4, they are going to announce X-Men and Fantastic Four. 
Well, the question there is, are they going to extend it to like nine or ten movies in Phase 4? Or is Captain Marvel the odd man out? Because I think it's pretty common knowledge at this point that people have a dislike for her and that character altogether. So even the directors, you know, when the directors are trying to marginalize her, there's a problem, right? But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's the rumor that today, yesterday was that Fantastic Four and uh, X-Men would be the big shock, big surprise at D23 that they would announce them for phase four. Probably late phase four, but phase four. I, I can't believe you can have phase four with not, without the Fantastic Four. I mean, it's just kind of market, markets itself, it does. you know, so yeah, yeah, you know, I can just, I can almost just hear them use that. So, uh, if, if not the X-Men, it's definitely going to be the Fantastic Four. So, so yeah, you say, you know, our announcement's for phase four and you make it dissolve into the Fantastic uh, Four logo. Yeah. Right. With John you know. Krasinski, right? Yeah, and uh, and yeah, him and uh, Emily Blunt, 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 Blunt have said they want to be Reed and yeah. Sue. That'd be great. Although I, I'm not a big fan of Emily Blunt. I'm not either, especially if they're going to have to dye her hair. If I'm yeah, if I'm being I, Blunt, I would rather be rather be uh, Kristen Bell. So. <laughs> We were just talking about Kristen Bell. Dax Shepard? Yeah, we were just talking about Kristen Bell. Reed Richards is Dax Shepard? Or Dax Shepard is Reed Richards? No. I've become a fan of Dax Shepard, so I will buy that. I will buy a ticket for that. I like Dax Shepard, but not as Reed Richards, but I do like Kristen Bell. I do love me some Kristen Bell. You need to watch Veronica Mars before the new season comes back. I'm going to start just because I like Kristen Bell. Like Veronica Mars is is really good. They did three seasons, a movie, and now they're coming back with a Hulu season starting in the next month. But Veronica Mars is really good. I will have to uh, check it out. Check it out. Check that out. Check it out. All right. Well, it sounds like uh, uh, we're almost in movie reviews because you guys have been checking out some movies. It sounds like, right? I yeah. did, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I, I one, before we do that, can we talk about the comic book, the big comic book announcement? Yeah. Well, I don't. I didn't what know was the was big one. comic book announcement? Oh, people are hot. <laughs> people are pissed. So uh, Thursday of last week or Wednesday of last week, Marvel loaded a, an image and it was a webbed number four and people were like what's that is you know is peter joining the fantastic four again what oh what is it and then friday or thursday it was a web number three and oh crap it's counting it down to something and then it was two and then it was one and then they made the big announcement that in september uh there's going to be a miniseries with spider-man written by uh a first-time comic writer oh yeah i heard this uh, J.J. Abrams, who I is love, is going to write uh, a miniseries for Spider-Man, along with his 20-year-old son Henry. I see. No so it's being that. written, being written by J.J. Abrams and Henry Abrams, with Sarah Pacelli as uh, as the uh, artist. Which she came from. She was on Ultimate Spider-Man and stuff. So. People are pissed because they're like, you know, it must be nice. You know, all these all these creators it are is. trying to scramble to get on a on a flagship book, oh. and 
J.J. Abrams basically just, you know, via nepotism gives his 20-year-old son, you know, the biggest <laughs> Marvel character to write. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, man, that kind of sucks, you know? I mean, must be nice to have your daddy as the big-time director guy. It probably is nice, and this is just one of the benefits of it. I see no problem with it whatsoever. <laughs> I fully support it. I think, you know what, it may get me back into comic books, actually. I will. I'll read this will do it. This may do it, yeah. I mean, I, this will do it. Right it needs, the comics need some new blood. You guys talking about Larry Pajama Hammer or something? I don't know who these people are. It's Larry Hama. Oh, okay, sorry. He's a veteran. Oh, yeah. He's old school, man. He's, I don't even know who that is. So, yeah, oh. people are, I asked uh, a couple of the artists that I see at the cons, I kind of asked them what their, what their thoughts were. And it wasn't, it wasn't appreciated. I mean, uh, this is right after Podman Ron, you were just supporting the great, 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 great lost granddaughter of Bill Finger. And yet you won't support J.J. <laughs> Abrams' kid who's just trying to make there's, his way into the world. There's a difference there. Is there? Is there? There is a difference okay. because right. she she has gotten nothing from <laughs> from Bill Finger. No. no. She's just trying to keep his name attached to the Batman legacy because he got no credit either for it. So... In this world, sometimes there's winners and losers. I don't know. I mean, I think you guys are sounding a lot like millennials right now. It's like a, a South Park <laughs> episode where he said there's gods and clods. Gods and clods. <laughs> gods and clods. That was uh, Kyle's dad told him that. There, there's gods and then there's clods. Yeah. Oh, I guess we're all about clods. Yeah, we are no J.J. Abrams guides or no, no uh, you know, as uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a smart ass uh, segue here into uh, Men in Black International. Oh, yeah, well, there's there's not one. Speaking of the gods of thunder uh, and Valkyries, how was so let's talk about because first of all, Podman Ron, you're a big fan of the Men in Black franchise, correct? I wouldn't say a big fan. Okay. I did enjoy the first one. You're a fan? And okay. I sort of kind of like the third one. Okay. You know, got crappy at the end with trying to tie the histories together, but, uh, was, uh, but. But you know, you're, you're, the, you're a fan of Chris Hemsworth. I am. And going you're a fan of movie, Tessa Thompson from Creed. When I first saw the, when I first saw the trailer, I, I like Tessa Thompson, and I like Chris Hemsworth. What could you do? What, so what trailer, happened? The trailer was, and I said this on the podcast, looks just like rehashed old Men in Black stuff. It just didn't seem nothing refreshing other than these two. So but, so I was wanting to give it a chance, knowing good and well I was going to be disappointed. I mean... <laughs> I even went like a week after it premiered and after all the bad reviews and, you know, how bad it tanked at the box office, I still went because I was like, so, you know, maybe it's just reviewers just saying it's bad. You know, I'm going to go support Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. I applaud that. And, uh, and, and I did. <laughs> they back, they betrayed you. Uh, yeah, that, that betrayed me. I, 
Chris Hemsworth, bless his heart, I think he just phoned this one in. And uh, I think she probably did the same. I, they they had, like, no – it, it was just, just not very good at all. I, it was kind of sad. Um, and rehashed. Everything was rehashed and, and just terribly rehashed. Um, and just stupid scenes, scenes that were just like, there's this one scene that they, they go, that Tessa Thompson character is going to, to leaving the New York office and going to the London office of MIB. And to get there, she has to ride a subway car, right? Okay. Makes sense. Which, you know, it goes under the ocean because, you know, it's men in black, so they can do that. But now the subway car, is only accessed by men and black people and, you know, aliens and all that because, the, you know, the special world that they live in. Uh-huh. So she goes to the subway car, and it looks like a normal subway car, right? And the doors open, and, you know, aliens and all these people get off of it, and they leave, and she's, like, looking at them like, oh, wow, look at that, you know, because she's new. And she gets on the subway, and the sub, the regular old subway car transforms in, into this modern looking space age subway thing. All right. Do you see a problem with that? No. Well, why did it need to transform? <laughs> I mean, there was, there's like, there was like no reason. I mean, wow. why did it need to look like an old subway car for? The aliens and all that. They already know. Uh, it made no sense. And it was just stuff like that. There was continuing stuff like that that they would do. And it's like, well, that makes no sense. Why are you, why are you doing that? You know, uh, it's, it's like they just rushed this movie yeah. out really quick. So, um, if they do another one, I think they'll do a, they'll bring back Will Smith and, you know, it is tied into their universe. They show a picture of them too and, um, they, they kind of give a, a little nod that, uh, to Jay, like something about he's teaching at the academy or some shit yeah. or he's a teacher or his class or something. They say some of the aliens oh, yeah. kind of say in passing. So, you know, if, if they're, if this franchise is they ever like come back, uh, they'll, they'll bring back Will Smith and you may, you may have Tessa Thompson in there just as background or something, but I don't know. It just, they got, they've got to punch up the story a little bit better than what they've done because it just, you've got to change it up a little bit because it really felt like a, a 1990 movie again. You know, there was just nothing very, nothing different at all. So what, what's your uh, final rating for it here? I give it a two. Wow. That's, uh, I saw it once. You can go see it if you want. I probably won't see it again. There you go. Well, very good. You remember my, you remember the rating system. It made complete sense. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, what's interesting, but the backstory, in case our listeners haven't heard, is, uh, the director, F. Gary Gray, um, it became a pissing match between him and the producer. And I forget the producer's name. He was there since the beginning. Um, what's his name? Uh, Walter Parks. So, uh, but F. Gary Gray almost even left the project. Now, F. Gary, but here's the thing. F. Gary Gray is a good director. Uh, do you know what F. Gary Gray has directed? 
DMR? No, I do not. He has directed... Did uh, he direct this? Are you saying he directed this turn? He directed it, but they said that the problems were because of the producer who had been there since the beginning. And so he had a very tight script, and the reason why Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth signed on because it was such a good script. And that when the... Too many cooks, right? The producer came in. He wanted to make changes, and Gary Gray almost left the project entirely. Um, but that's the reason why the movie kind of turned out the way it, it did. Uh, but uh, the some of the movies, you know, I think F. Gary Gray has probably proven himself based off this. Uh, the Fast and the Furious, right? The eighth installment of Fast and the Furious. The Fate of the Furious. Uh, he did Straight Outta Compton, which I think won some Oscars, right? Um, he did uh, The Italian Job, which was a good movie from the uh, the early 2000s. And an incredibly good movie was his, the first thing he ever, he ever directed. The comedy film starring Chris Tucker and Ice Cube, Friday. Well, <laughs> an excellent film. I don't, he might have done all that, but all he did here was just rehash. All he did here was just rehash, uh, the original men in black stuff. I mean, it just, just change it up a little bit. Well, that's what I'm, that's, but that's what I'm saying is that it's not, uh, the apparent, all of the, the articles out there are saying that his script was great. They were really excited about the project and then the producer got in and it turned into a, a pissing match. So, I mean, it it really was not good at all. So, I mean, I, I and I hate that because I, you know, you could have done something with these two. I mean, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, I, I, I both like both of them a lot, you know, and I was really kind of looking forward to this. But, oh, well. And what really sucks, though, is, you know, the Men in Black idea is really a cool idea. It just needs to... Not mature, but it needs to change a little bit. It needs to to grow a little bit. Not keep doing the same thing. You can't. You got to make it change a little bit. I mean, you can't do the same thing. So it's it's what the same. Is it, it should be Men in Black in space, space, space. <laughs> no, I mean, make it. I think it's a good idea. Just don't make it such a. They're trying too hard to make it a comedy. You know, it's a comedy action. It just didn't work. The jokes were just terrible. And and to me, it just change it. Just do something different with it. You know, there was talk about a year or two ago that they were going to do a 20, what, 21 Jump Street, Men in Black, you know, crossover type thing. That would have been different. You know, as, as much as sounded terrible, it, at least it would have been different. Um. I think maybe maybe going the direction of instead of showing this world like they do where, you know, you turn you go into MIB headquarters and there's these wacky aliens and that look like puppets that look ridiculous, you know, maybe just, you know, don't show so much of that world and, and just show how mysterious the men in black are. Maybe tone down the comedy a little bit, kind of change it up and just uh, go in that route a little bit and show that how they are, are portrayed in uh, 
in history, like creepy guys that come out and do that. I don't know. I, there's just, I just think it just got, it, it was just the same old, same old. And it just, if you, if you want to do it, you need to make it different. So anyway, that's my uh, yeah. You hanging in there, Brad? Uh, what's that? You hanging in there? <laughs> uh, barely. But no, uh, I, no that was, uh, I mean, you know, talking about uh, something different here with Brian, Toy Story 4. So this is the fourth Men in Black that Podman Ron said is not that great, is too repetitive. Toy Story 4, the fourth time we've visited these tired old characters. Uh, do you rate it about the same thing? Uh, all right. So it was a good movie. However, Uh-oh. in retrospect, I think people are going to it, – it's not going to hold up. Um. Because I feel like they, they, well, one, they, it's kind of tacked on the end. Like it's the story basically wrapped in Toy Story 3, right? We got some shorts showing Bonnie with the toys and everything, which is cute and everything. But the story really wrapped with 3. And so this is like they kind of tacked on this extra chapter at the end. And it always felt like that. Um, the existing cast of characters of toys didn't really have much going on. Um, they were in this RV the entire time. Um, even Buzz didn't have much of a part in the movie. Um, so, and the, you know, they introduced the new characters. Keanu Reeves, Duke Kaboom was absolutely the best character of the movie. Um, but and it wasn't so much that one of them was lost. You know, it kind of was, but kind of wasn't. Um, and, and not to spoil this, in case anyone doesn't already know, but are you guys okay if I spoil it? Because it's kind of important to my review. Please. So uh, the storyline is um, uh, Woody is not getting played with. Bonnie has made Jesse the sheriff, and so Jesse's she's still kind of playing the same stuff, but girl Woody power. keeps getting left. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. That sounds like a great girl power story. Woody keeps getting left in the closet. Um, there's even a part where, like, he gets his first dust bunny, like, because he's because he hadn't been played with in weeks. Uh, they go on a trip. Um, she creates a toy at school made made of a fork and a and a um, pipe cleaner, right? And uh, that's like her her uh, security blanket. She's going to kindergarten. And it gets lost because they go on an RV trip. It gets lost. Woody's trying to get it back. He's like, you know, she needs it. He's still trying to take care of the, the little girl, even though she's not really playing with him. And there's even one point where he accidentally slips up and he calls her Andy. Or he refer- and they're like, who's Andy? So the uh, the whole story is basically, you know, uh, he's – it's uh, um, no uh, – what is it? Uh, no Country for Old Men. But for toys, right? Yeah. So, so he's, he's not getting played with, you know, he's kind of come full circle. His kid was Andy and his kid grew up. Um, but what sucks about that is Andy gave him to Bonnie, right? Cause she wanted to play with her cowboy and then she just stopped playing with him. And then, so he has nothing to do. Uh, on the road trip, they end up at an antique store and little Bo Peep is there and you find out kind of a backstory of how she got there. Uh, and at the end of the, of the story, Woody stays with Bo Peep. 
And so he said, you know, so he's gone. Like Woody's gone. He's he's with both people. They're traveling with this circus. Um, that goes from, you know from town to town. And I guess this is kind of weird too. Like kids will run. They'll just kind of lay themselves out around the playground, and kids will play with them, and then just throw them back on the ground. This is weird. I've never seen a kid actually do that. If my kid picked up a doll, like a doll sitting on the ground, I'm gonna be like, put that down. Yeah. So, so but it was just kind of weird. Like that's a that's not really a thing. One, um, but two, I think in retrospect, they're going to regret it. But and, and I get why. I mean, you know, obviously, Tom Hanks is in his 60s. You know, we've already lost, you know, uh, um, Slinky Dog because uh, um, and Don Rickles. Right. And, and Tata Head because they passed, you know, not that Tom Hanks is in bad health. But no, at the same time, it's God like I, I feel like they're well, one. A lot of people liked the idea that at some point Andy would get Woody back. Cause he even says that. He even says it in the last movie. He's like, you gotta take care of him. He's very special. You gotta take care of him. Um, you know, I think he, he may say something along the lines, you know, you're gonna take care of him for me for a while while I'm at school. So the, you know, everybody's kind of left with, oh, Woody's gonna get, or, you know, Andy's gonna get him back eventually. Or Andy's gonna give him to his kid. A lot of people thought that's what it was gonna happen was it was you'd see Andy give his child Woody. Uh, and that's not the story we got. And it's kind of, uh, I think uh, you didn't need to make Toy Story 4. Uh, if you were going to make Toy Story 4, now you've really painted yourself into a corner because Woody's gone, right? Um, people didn't get the ending, and they won't get the ending that they thought they would get uh, if there actually had been a Toy Story 5. Right. Or if Toy Story 4 had been, you know, a return of Andy. So it's weird. It's like with Woody gone, I don't see how they can really make a Toy Story 5. Um, and people aren't going to get that, that, that ending that they thought they were going to get to the whole story. And the, the whole movie wasn't needed anyway. It was kind of superfluous. I mean, uh, you weren't invested in the relationship they had with Bonnie. Right. So. I think in retrospect, it scored really highly, but I think in retrospect, people, it's good. It's absolutely one of the weaker Pixar movies and absolutely, and definitely the weakest Toy Story movie. So, well, with that being all said that I didn't hear because I, don't, I haven't seen the movie yet. So <laughs> I don't want to know anything that happened. No, but well, I just told you everything. I know, but I kind of muted you out. He wasn't but listening. Oh. Here's, here's the thing. I heard that it, it didn't open as, uh, to what they thought. Uh, the mon- the, uh, opening was rather, uh, disappointing for. Well, it made 115 million. Like, uh, you can't really say it's disappointing, although it was projected to do 140. Right, right. So it's, uh, kind of wondering if, uh, again, it's like it goes with everything I'm saying. I, I find that the end is near, and maybe it's just because I fit, I find that because my son your is end is near college. Yeah, no, no. I'm just well, that too. <laughs> I'm just saying that this this glory age that we've been in, this golden age of comics and Marvel movies and Pixar and conventions and TV shows, I find that it's kind of. I don't know. It's it seems like it's kind of ending. I mean, Pixar movies down. You know, I mean, uh, Endgame is 
was big, but you know, I, guess, I guess I guess Spider-Man's going to be a real true litmus test of the Marvel stuff here in a couple of weeks. That if anybody's really really tired of the Marvel verse, if it's uh, if it's going to continue to uh, to strive after uh, Endgame. So I don't know. I just feel like. When I heard that about Pixar, you know, about the uh, Toy Story, and uh, no, it didn't open as strong as they thought it was going to. I'm thinking, God, is now is now Pixar stuff kind of kind of going on the the downslide too? I mean, is everything kind of maybe it's just well, doom and gloom, Ron? I don't know. Maybe I'm. You got to think, Pixar hasn't had a standalone hit in a while, right? Right. I mean, you're right. You're so, exactly like, right. Brave was a disappointment. Right, and that was that was one of their last or one of their big like you know new creation sort of new stories, I mean, no backstory. Incredibles two didn't really light it up like they all thought it was going to. I think it was it was you know too late. I mean, it, you know, they waited too long on that one, and uh, I, I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong, but it just didn't. It came and went just really quick. I mean. It, it just didn't capture everybody like everybody thought it was. Well, to. and what was interesting is the next um, Pixar movie is that Onward, which is starring um, uh, Tom Holland and um, Chris Seth, uh, oh, Chris Pratt. Or Chris Pratt. So it's what? almost even that. It's like, well, now they're just doing the the. Take two hot actors and throw them into a, into a movie instead of actually Care you know, the movie casting is. the character based off you know it's like just mean, that, that stunt casting. What's uh, what's that about? Onward, I mean, it's uh, if a fairy if a mythical world evolved to 2019 or 2020 or whatever. So like they're they're fairies and ogres and stuff like that, but they live in a city and they live in you know they drive cars and, and they go on some sort of quest. That's one all you know, right? One now. of them's a police officer and the other one's Will Smith. Is... No, that's Bright. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's uh, Bright. <laughs> I got it confused. Uh, all right. Well, you know, I, I just missed the days. And again, this could be just. Because this was when Alex was a kid that, you know, Bugs Life and, you know, the, the first cars and Monsters, Inc. and Ratatouille. I loved Ratatouille. I mean, all those movies, I mean, I just, those are just classic Pixar. And they, well, see, they're not taking those risks anymore. No, I mean, they're Wally, not. Like, I mean, all those doubts, it's, so in the past, like, five years, it's like we've had, you know, Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2, uh, Finding Dory, Cars Three. Yeah, um, it's all sequel stuff. It's like there's yeah. no original ideas. There's no new ideas. The ones that have been original new ideas was uh, Brave and the well, Good the last Dinosaur. One that, that Inside Out, and I never saw it. I heard Inside Out was really good. Yeah, so I think that was the last real, you know, one that everybody really liked. Um, now up, I know a lot of people liked up. I didn't. I liked it. It was sad, but it, it, it to me, it was not. Still, wasn't as good as all the other stuff. And Brave was just kind of boring. So I don't know. I, I, I think I don't want to say Pixar's on its way out. Of course, it's not. But I'm just saying it's not the standard that, that it used to be. You know, I mean, it just 
It's just not as you don't get the quality as you used to get on it. It seems like at least. Well, I'm I'm interested when you see the movie. I, I wish we had actually talked about the uh, the or you had heard my breakdown. So no, I'm all interested I, to hear what uh, you think because uh, I think they've uh, painted themselves into a corner with Toy Story, and I think Toy Story is going to be like that The Last Jedi. I think it, it, people it got good reviews, but in retrospect, people are going to kind of hate on this movie. So I. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Toy Story 3, to be honest with you. I just thought it was kind of sad, but it was a little dark at times. It just didn't seem, it was like, eh. I, didn't, I wasn't too crazy about it. So, which has been my thoughts of a lot of Pixar stuff in recent years. So, I I, I couldn't stand Cars 3, and yeah, I never well, saw Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, car, what uh, Pixar really needs to do is... Uh, an adventure uh, type movie, like get out of the, um, uh, you know, fa- not necessarily. It can still be family, but imagine if they did like a Black Cauldron type movie, like something that's it may have a little bit of humor in it, but primarily it's like an action adventure in the Pixar style. That would be tremendous. You know, if they yeah. did something like that, I think that's what they need to evolve into. Um, so just putting that out there. Well, but that true. brings me All right. to uh, a little bit of news we heard. Uh, Brad, did you hear this about uh, Taika Watiti? What his potential next yeah, project's going to be? I'm all for it. I love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, but PMR, uh, have you heard this? Did you? I think you sent it. Uh, I did send it. Tarzan? Yeah, no. it's Tarzan. So no matter if you send it directly to him or post it on Instagram, he still won't. He's not going to look at it either way. I did look at it. It was Tarzan or something. Yeah, it was Tarzan. No, 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 no. Yeah. Wait a minute. No, no. It's Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. <laughs> look at that. So uh, Taika uh, Watiti, his next uh, official film is going to be a Flash Gordon animated film, which would be pretty kick ass. You think? Why? It could be. I've always liked Flash Gordon. Yeah. I was more of a Buck Rogers fan. Huh? I was more Buck Rogers. Okay, well, they're not doing a Buck Rogers one. Can you not get behind the Flash Gordon when they are? (laughs) Can't you just be happy? I mean, it's it's the downward spiral of the geek age. Why does Flash Gordon get all the. The praise that the Flash movie back in the 80s. Why couldn't, you know, Buck Rogers had the TV show, they had the robot, they had the bird guy. I mean, that was a pretty fucking cool show. Flash Gordon's like a better story. Like, you've got more dynamic characters. uh, How could that be a better story? I mean, it's the same story. Yeah, it's kind of the same story. Well, it's it's kind of the same story, but but (laughs) who's, who's the bigger villain? Being the Merciless or... Who the, the hell was, the, who was the bad guy in Buck Rogers? Everybody was a bad guy. Flash, Flash Gordon, all he had to fight was Mean the Merciless, and that was just weird. But, but Buck the Rogers 80s was movie, like fighting the 80s all movie, kinds of people on a weekly basis. The 80s movie is the Dick Tracy 
of of Flash Gordon, the the Dick Tracy movie of Flash Gordon. It's not that's not what the the comic was. That's not what the you know the com you know so uh, this would probably be a truer version of the comic book you know back in the day, but still like the weirdness uh, uh um that we can get from the director an animated space adventure movie seems pretty kick ass to me. So just putting it out there, and I'm hoping that eventually someday. We will get a Doc Savage movie. I agree with you on that. Uh, I agree with you on that. They could really do a cool pulp, like, you know, 30s pulp uh, Doc Savage movie. That would be so freaking awesome. But that's why we got to support Flash Gordon, because Doc Savage Mm. is that same kind of wheelhouse. Mm. It's not DC. It's not (laughs) Marvel, right? We need it, the pulp it's an older property, right? Um, yeah, but I, I get it. I get what you're saying. I just, uh, I would like a, a live action Doc Sampson with uh, The Rock playing Doc Sampson. That would be cool. Or Doc Savage, yeah. Or Doc Savage, <laughs> yeah, whichever. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, Doc Savage. Him too. All right. Uh, can we wrap it up? Well, I guess so. Brad's going to hurt Brad's bedtime. It's uh, almost 11 o'clock here on the East Coast. This is it. This is it, people. The only, thing I, the only other thing I had uh, newsworthy was uh, they said that uh, Tom Holland signed up to do eight or to appear eight more times as Spider-Man. So kind of <laughs> like that, that Sam Jackson contract where he was signed up to do nine in the beginning. And they extended it, but yeah. Okay, because we'll probably won't record till Spider Man comes out next week. There's supposed to be a, and if you know it, don't say it. But if, I was going to say, throw it out there. Uh, there's supposed to be like an amazing mid scene credit hmm. and mid credit scene, and I'm thinking that we're going to see one of the past Spider Mans. We're going to see. Either Andrew Garfield or we're going to see the other guy, uh, the other schmuck um, <laughs> in, in a mid credit scene because they've opened up this multiverse idea. So just uh, I'm kind of curious if that if they're going to do something to that effect or if they're going to show Venom from uh, Tom, well, Hardy, um, Tom Hardy's Venom. Kevin Feige has said, well, Tom Hardy, they announced his sign for Venom 2 this week. Okay. And Kevin Feige said that, that they're building towards Spider-Man versus Venom. So it could be very well be Tom Hardy in the mid credit scenes. Okay. So we will, uh, according to uh, Absolute Alex, there is uh, the, the Spider-Man movie's getting great reviews and everybody's just gushing about the, the mid-credit scene. So we, uh, that it's like huge. So uh-huh. some even called it the best mid-credit scene of what? all. Wow. Yep. That's so, insane. Um, it's got to be better than the Venom mid-credit scene with Woody Harrelson's crazy-ass wig. <laughs> God, that was... You know what? I will never forget that because I literally laughed out loud because it was so fucking silly and ridiculous that I laughed. It was terrible. Wow. That, oh. Uh, 
One other little tidbit. Uh, this, I thought this was interesting, but uh, somebody asked, you know, because we're getting the Batwoman TV show, Ooh. and there's speculation that we'll we'll have a cameo at some point during the season of Batman. Um, either whether it's a flashback as to why he's gone or or whatever. But uh, do you know who one of the the potential people to play Bruce Wayne is? Uh, is it Tom Welling? Tom Welling. Uh, Which would be pretty kick-ass. I guess that. Yeah, it wasn't because I texted it to you. <laughs> he doesn't read those. <laughs> I had a lucky yeah. guess. That would be cool. I mean, that would be a nice little, you know, throwaway thing. But Smallville uh, Superman, for those that don't know. But... And he can uh-huh. go bust up. He can go bust up uh, the Nexium sex ring. It'll be awkward <laughs> when Chloe's standing there. <laughs> we won't be seeing Allison Mack as any kind of cameo roles on this. No, show. we will not. <laughs> and this week's starring is sex trafficker number three. <laughs> Smallville reunion. I was hoping for the you know. Didn't Smallville reunion, wasn't he, they, they, uh, were at Comic-Con also? They were at, uh, Megacon. Okay, Megacon. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't you get any of their shit? What do you mean? Why didn't you get, take a I listened to the panel. Them? Yeah, but you could've, you could've went and took a picture with them. You, well, <laughs> Marty, or, uh, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd was expensive enough. So I got I got that I got David Tennant and I got um oh shit, who's, uh, and uh, Zachary Levi. So I I mean I can't I'm not made completely of money. I still have a mortgage. You know, Matt, Back to the Future, but that picture, man, that that's just a damn shame. Just <laughs> sitting there like not a law. You should have told him, hey, you know what? You act like you're happy to be here. These are for my kids. I know you're old and you've got Parkinson's disease, but come on. Come on, guys. Hep it up a little bit for this kind of money I'm paying for this. Well, it just looked miserable. It just looked miserable in your picture. Yeah, it's fine. The kids are happy. As long as they, they, he I'll does tell it you who wasn't miserable in the in their photo. Sergeant Slaughter. Well, is he has that on Instagram, so we can all. He see was it. happy. Send it to you in a second. He was happy, personable, talked to you, put you in the Cobra Clutch. <laughs> Look at that! Put him in the Cobra Clutch. Are you putting? Are you posting these? No. I'll send you a picture here in a second. <sighs> all right. So next episode we'll have Spider-Man review, probably from some people. On the podcast? Yeah, yep. absolutely. All right. Uh, and maybe in whatever uh, fun news uh, leading up to Brian's big adventure into Comic-Con. Yep. Brian's big adventure. All right. Oh, well, can't wait to hear that. Well, I, you will have to wait because until next time. Save it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>